0: Philippi is in Macedonia to this day. They didn't, They never moved it. It's at the foot of Mount Orbelus. And it was in essence because nearby were gold mines in a place called Sila, but also uh, rumored copper, which was also a very big and uh, exportable feature. The king of Macedon had actually established this particular city with about 2,000 people and it remained in essence Greek Macedonian until roughly 168 BC when the Romans conquered it. It's important to note it was established as a Greek stronghold, Macedonian stronghold, then a Greek stronghold, and then When the Romans took it over, Romans were basically adopters. They normally didn't invent things. They just slapped a coat of Roman paint over it. They did that with the gods. And so, you know, you could have Diana or Artemis. It all depends on which culture you're looking at. And that was a very, very big deal. But it becomes, and it's important to note this, it becomes the center of a lot of military campaigns for more of a sentimental reason than although there are some... Um, logistical reasons why, and we'll talk about Ignatius Road, but there are, I mean, it's just it's a landmark in some ways. It would be the same as taking down Parliament because of what it would say to someone. Or, and I prayed throughout the I don't know about you, during the entire wedding of Harry and and uh, and Megan because um, it just seemed like such a prime place for somebody to do something really stupid and make quite a statement with it. And this was kind of one of those places. As a matter of fact, give you an idea: Julius Caesar's sons, Mark Antony and Octavian, defeated Julius Caesar's murderer, Brutus, uh, Cassius Longinus, uh, at Philippi. It was the place where the original. And I remember Julius Caesar was the original Caesar. He was the original big. He was the first, in essence, first great emperor of Rome. Considered the world leader, if, in that sense, of the Roman Empire. And so, thus, every Caesar that was named after him would be, it would be like in America, to be honest, us instead of calling everyone a president, calling him a Washington, because that was the first president. Well, that's the idea of calling a Caesar a Caesar, is, it was his, if you will, his name. Now, when the sons ultimately do that, they do that with the reserve, Legion 28, ultimately that son Octavian. The, the people, of course, at this point, um, start driving people out of their homes, and Rome takes it in a very, very big way, and as they take it as a big way, that particular city is given to the military campaign that actually helped uh, overtake the city. It was a gift. So now, I'd like you to think that the first Roman permanent residents of this now Roman city were Roman soldiers, and they weren't just Roman soldiers, they were Delta Force. They were the SEAL team. They were the Mossad. They were the guys that were career uh, soldiers. And they were the guys that were very well trained and they were very proud of being soldiers. Now, we don't have that here or in America. But in Israel, it's a classic example. It is required. It's mandatory for you to do three years as a guy, two years as a gal. And we are on reserves until at least age 45. And we can continue on from there. But there are going to be that way. Well, there there are going to be those who enlist, and this is going to be their career. Well, these were career soldiers. So imagine a city. Well, I mean, I, we think of Oxford, we think that's probably where people who are erudites are. The learned might congregate there because it has that reputation. Not that you know, not that there can't be a dumb person living in Oxford, but just the same. And there are certain places that kind of have the reputations. Can you think of any place that's like, this is where the soldiers go? I mean, it's really sad because we really are a very different culture that way. We don't have respect for old people because we're more of an economically driven culture. And as an economically driven culture, the older you get, the more you suffer from the system, which means that you're more of a detriment than a benefit to an economically driven culture. An honor driven culture or a wisdom-driven culture, tends to very much adulate the older people because you'd like to think they would have a little bit more wisdom to offer. That's kind of the idea. And that's why places like Japan, for instance, are huge on their elders because it's an honor-driven culture. Well, Rome was a very philosophically driven, a philosophy-driven culture. Uh, It was basically like you took the philosophy that was basically Greek and what you did is you sort of married that with like somebody that's from an an action character, you know, that doesn't have a problem murdering everybody. Because that's basically what you have with Rome. What Rome did that Greek didn't, was that what, let me say this, what Greece did with a lot of diplomacy, Rome did with might. What Rome was known for doing was just crushing people in front of other people. They were known for that. And that's important to note. I'd like you to consider this, and it's a side note, but it's an important one, just to get us excited about where we are, because ultimately, after Philippians, it's Colossians, we have a small break, and then we go into the Thessalonian letters. Letters, go into Bible. And there's so much emphasis on the return of Christ, it gets me so excited. But I'd like you to consider that since the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, the world has spoken different languages. The world has been very tribal in their mindsets. If you think about it. And seldom did the twain meet. Then, Babylon. Then came Babylon. When Babylon rose up, and we know them from taking Israel captive in 586 BC. By the way, do you know where Babylon is today? That's Iran. Capital, by the way, there's Babylon. The capital city Babylon is still called Babylon to this day. To the left of Iran is Iraq. The um, capital was Nineveh. That tells you what that was. That was the Assyrians. Still called Nineveh to this day. Matter of fact, the previous president, Ahmadinejad, actually said he was the second Nebuchadnezzar. Which I think is really funny, because the guy should actually study his history. There have been 5 he You'd like to think at least he'd say, I'm the sixth. I guess it loses his impact when you say that Anyways, here's my point. When Babylon started to conquer the world, it, did, it had this huge expansion program. That was Assyria kind of was, was nominalized, but, Assyria, but Babylon took over all that and added some. Started bringing it in, for instance, into Europe. We're kind of moving it through Turkey. In other words, we started to think globally for the first time. We started to think beyond our tribe. Traditionally, we thought this is our area, and these are the ones who were around us because they were potential threats. That was traditionally the mindset. And when Assyria started, and Assyria started with this, they would conquer a place, they'd ship out a lot of people, bring in a lot of other people from all the other places, so you couldn't rally up and fight because you couldn't talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. Which was an interesting perspective, but which, you know, how do you, let's go, you know, I mean, it's like a little harder. (laughs) But we started to have to look globally because we were really looking different than we were. You know, before this poem, we all looked the same in our communities. Does that make sense? Babylon expanded that and did the same thing. They did the deportation, importation, you know, integration. They they were big on that stuff. So we have, for the first time, we started looking around and going, wow, there are a lot of people beyond just the threats of our neighborhood. Then came Greece. And Greece did something revolutionary because they did a lot to diplomacy. Though they were, I mean, let's be fair, uh, you know, when Alexander the Great was no doubt about as much of an action hero as Greece has ever had. He conquered everyone, and then in essence died of boredom because there was nobody left to kill. You know, I mean, so he was pretty impressive. But a lot of what was done was th- done through diplomacy. And one of the things that Greece did, though, was give the world a common language. i Would like you to consider that? Though, and when, because they were diplomatic, they didn't force you to not speak your own language. They just required you to speak theirs as well. So in other words, what happened is, you spoke Polish, you spoke Portuguese, you spoke Irish, you know, and, you know, we'll we'll go back, you spoke Celtic, you know, I, I, I spoke American, but we all spoke a trade language together. And it, but now remember, we're already looking at each other in the same neighborhood, and we're going, wow, you eyes are different, and we couldn't talk, but now Greece allowed us to speak with each other. Does that make sense? Then came Rome, and Rome built ports and paved roads. You know, they would say all roads lead to Rome. Well, that was, a rough, that was roughly true in the sense that ultimately, Rome, if it was going to be the hub of the world from Europe to go through the Middle East, and even into, into Asia as we know it today, it, you had to be able to get there. I'd like you to consider this situation. The world looked globally for the first time. Then spoke a common language for the first time since Tower of Babel. And then had roads to get to each other and ports to get to each other for the first time. Then Jesus came. Do you see how beautiful that is? So that when a group of guys were praying in an upper room, they could go to all over the world, paved by Gentile Romans, speaking a language that the world spoke, thank you Greeks, and I already had a global mindset. Thank you, Babylon. So that the... Now, the reason I say that is we are, for the first time, in, since then, nearing of another apex of that sort. I'd like you to consider that. Getting from one place to another is not... I mean, we are talking about now having planes that fly 23 hours. And that is, I mean... That, I mean, think about how unheard of that would have been a hundred years ago. But, we don't even have to if we want to communicate with someone. I, mean, I, I talk to people and it's like, all of their friends don't live in the country. They live thousands of miles away. And I'm like, that's your friend? Yeah, that's my friend. I'm like, you guys don't even speak the same language. We actually have, tra- they have, like, they have translation applications that are better than like Babelfish or Google Translate or whatever. So that allows them to roughly communicate with each other and they're like, yeah, they're like my best friends. I'm like, you don't even speak the same language. Like, you've never actually literally met this person. They're two-dimensional. They fit on a little screen. Yeah, but they're like, but they under, they get me. I'm like, are you sure they get you? Or the translation looks like they get me, you know. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of it is it's really weird to think that we could actually be in a very, very similar circumstance. It just gets me excited. Nonetheless, I want to get back to this, but at least I just wanted to kind of... Now, again, the whole point of it was is that the first guys that were, in essence, brought into this from Rome were, in essence, were the soldiers. And so ultimately... Uh, with that when Octavian becomes the emperor I imagine that was Julius Caesar's son he retires his entire Praetorian guard that's in essence secret service retires them all there talk about people that have a very big sense of patriotism these guys were your patriots now ultimately they call it Colonia Augustina the other Philippensis after the idea of Philip from where we get Philippians or Philippi they would call it Little Rome it was overseen by two duumviri, and duumviri's were the magistrate officers that were sent from Rome. In other words, they were directly governed by Rome versus kind of people that reported to people that reported to people, then they worked their way up the chain. Two people specifically sent by Rome, specifically governed this place because they wanted it to be as close to Rome as possible. The, the idea of it was, and this was the idea of Rome was, this was actually what Rome is supposed to be like. Because the difference between Rome and, and Philippi was that Philippi was just pregnant with patriotism. That's where a lot of Rome wasn't. Well, Rome was a much much larger place. So you have all kinds of people. And there were slums. A third of Rome was slums. And, and a couple, it's arguable, but somewhere between 500,000 and 3 million or 10 million people, it's argued, it all depends on what... Uh, person you listen to, will tell you was slaves. Now, chances are your slaves are not going to be actually big patriots. There weren't slaves for that say, and that same kind of um, concentration in Philippi because it was all a bunch of old soldiers talking about their old battles. Does that make sense? No. It is, it is essential to understand at least <clears throat> that there was a logistical issue in it because they built a garrison. Now, does anyone know what garrison means? Yeah, exactly. It is a fortified city that is overseen by soldiers. Excellent. In other words, this is a stronghold city. Like if you were to take over everything, this is the pl- the one place that this is the big guy to take down, and this is the one place you wouldn't want to mess with, because you'd rather take on you'd rather take on thirty thousand, you know, vagrant, you know, townsfolk, than you would a bunch of old soldiers. That don 't have a problem getting into line and taking you on. And they are still ready for the fight. Now, as a result of that, please understand being a Roman soldier was a huge deal in Philippi. It was a huge deal because if you were not a Roman soldier no, i'm sorry, if you were not a Roman citizen and you could get it by being born, you could get it by in essence, taking a course and paying a great deal of money it sounds a little bit like here but uh, oh no this is recorded anyways but it's like but either way if in a Roman garrison if you were not a citizen you will never be a part of the community does that make sense? but Rome said we are all about unifying everyone but we're going to unify everyone under the fact that you need to be a citizen and if you're not going to be a citizen don't even come to this town you will not be welcomed was the idea. Which is one of the things that plays into the whole point with Paul showing up there as he does. Now, therefore, it is important to recognize that the idea of citizenship is a really big issue in the book of Philippians. Now, Paul's experience there. Chapter 16, it's his second trip. He shows up. Now, Mind you, he winds up in Troas. As he winds up in Troas, which is the west, the northwest coast of of Turkey, to this day, today called Troas, well it's also called a couple other things, but you can can say where's Troas and they would tell you in Turkey. Uh, And he gets a vision of a Macedonian man, that should sound familiar since we've gone through Acts. As he gets a vision of a Macedonian man, he heads over into Europe and he heads, the first place he heads over is Macedonia. The lip that separates, you have like Turkey and then there's the lip and then comes down to Greece. Now that is then Philippi, which is the foremost city in that quadrant. By the way, that's actually said; that's what the Bible says of it. And then it makes its way then to Thessalonica and Berea. All of that is Macedonian. And as he makes his way there, I want to remind you he does so with a vision of a Macedonian man. They all go there looking for a Macedonian man, and Paul shows up at a river where a bunch of women are. And, well, it doesn't; they would likely washing their clothes. In other words, it, it's interesting to note that Paul, until we get into the middle of the story of Philippi. Paul doesn't meet any guys that we have record of. Although he might have, but it's like we don't have, the Bible doesn't mention them. He's got his crew with him, but a Macedonian man, one would think, would be in Macedonia, because the guy says, please come here, please come here, and he does. So he meets a bunch of gals at a river, he starts sharing the Lord with them, and don't miss this, ladies, that, you know, they respond, their hearts were open to it. One of the gals is a gal named Lydia. She's a seller of purple, because, you know, back in those days, it was so early, you could actually copyright a color. No, no, that's actually not. It was very difficult to get this color. You had to, it, was, it came from a specific kind of snail, a, a, a shellfish that came, obviously it was in the water, and you had to grind it in a specific way. Everything from the specific breed to the way that you had to process that basically made it a very difficult thing to get. And therefore, since it was a difficult, but it was a resilient blue-purple color, it was only worn by the rich and famous. So this, in essence, was a girl that dealt with, you know, Armani or with Givenchy or whatever that kind of thing. Tom Ford, <clears throat> you know, in other words, she was with. She was a wealthy woman in a very well-to-do uh, environment, and she says, "I've got a house," and it isn't like, "Hey, honey, I've got a little flat somewhere near Chelsea." You know, she's like, I've got this house and why don't you guys come stay with us? You guys don't have a place to stay, right? And Paul hymned hard about it, which is reasonable. But again, she's not inviting him up to her flat. And ultimately, and he's not alone, he takes his crew and they go there. Now, don't miss this. The first church in Philippi was Lydia's house. I love the fact that, you know, people are like, ah, I think the Bible's sexist. Okay, find something else written 2,000 years ago that tells you about how Jesus showed himself resurrected to a woman first of all. And then tells her to go tell everyone. And nonetheless, let's make it even better, a girl that he had cast out seven demons from. And then, go and tell me that the church that started in Philippi, which was one of the most important and crucial churches in all of Macedonia, was started in the house of a woman. And was started by women. Now don't miss this. In a place that, in essence, that was a Roman city started by a bunch of Roman soldiers. You probably guess they're all men. The church was started in a completely opposite fashion was started by a bunch of gals. I imagine Paul's first couple church meetings was just basically a bunch of gals. Now, it may have been great, because it might have been like, you know, hey, I baked this thing, and they're like, yeah, that's awesome, you know. But that was just mean. But you get the point. And so ultimately, Paul doesn't, though, stop. He doesn't just go, cool, cool, we've got a church. Ladies, go out and find people. He's back out on the streets, if you will, and he winds up back ultimately out there, and he finds this gal, or this gal finds him, that is possessed. Now, the Bible makes clear there is possession, and she's definitely possessed. And as she's possessed, she follows Paul, and don't miss this, she follows Paul and Silas around, and says, these are servants of the Most High God telling you the way of salvation. She is not lying. Everything she's saying is true. So what's the problem? Listen to this statement again. These are servants of the Most High God telling you the way of salvation. Who is the focus on?
1: The men.
0: The men. And it's so easy to miss this. It is so a work of the enemy, and it's subtle, but it's so powerful. It's taking the focus away from Jesus and putting it on the servants. And Paul and Silas, they put up with it for a period of time, and Paul finally has had enough. She continues to say this, we don't know how often, but often enough for Paul to get perturbed. I kind of like Paul, he gets perturbed. And he ultimately turns around and he goes, in the name of Jesus Christ, yeah, in other words Paul for days lets this girl be possessed and follow him around. and I think well, that's the weirdest PR you ever had and it took him days for him to go okay I've had enough of this Are you done with this I was, let's get this let's handle it and, but when the girl gets delivered out of possession she's of no value anymore to her masters she's a slave girl and she was valuable as long as she was possessed could you imagine the complete disdain for human life But the same thing will happen to you guys. I can't tell you how many times um, someone will bring, classic situation, a backslidden guy brings his girlfriend to church. She actually gives her life to Jesus and catches on fire. Then turns around to the boyfriend and says, we can't sleep together anymore. And he's angry. I'm like, dude, you brought her. She's actually excited about Jesus. And he breaks up with her. He brings something because now she's a Christian. And you start going, what just happened? You're like, oh, it used to be fun before you were saved. I'm like, I wouldn't call it fun. So what happens is, that ultimately, the owners, I remind you we're in an extremely patriotic city. They're not going to say, oh, he has a problem with Moses. Well, they care about Moses. They're like, he speaks things contrary to Rome. And in this place, You couldn't press a bigger red button than that one. So they take this guy and they strip him and they whip him and beat him with rods throw him in the inner prison. Now, you're probably aware Roman prisons were not there so you could live your life out with three squares. Roman prison was a holding cell to do one of two things. One was, within the day or two days at most, you were brought out beaten and humiliated in front of everyone else and released. Remember, Rome used everything publicly, punished publicly to make you an example. Or they held you there between two, between one to six days and then you were pulled out and killed publicly in front of people. So you just kind of knew that no matter what happened, if you wound up in jail, that was going to be the best place you're going to have and it's not good. The Roman prison shaped like a donut in the middle of the pit you know why you have a pit in the middle of a prison? What do you think goes there? The poop. The poop. Oh. The poop. Yeah. And it tells us that Paul and Silas were thrown in the inner prison. You get the idea. They were thrown in the poop. (laughs)
2: Sorry.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Well, just let's make it better. They've just been beaten and whipped. That means you have open sores all over your body, and then you're thrown in the latrine. But it says, at night, Paul and Silas were singing prayers, singing praises to God and praying. Can you imagine what you would be praying at a moment like that? You know? Could you imagine what you would be singing? Nobody knows. alive, <laughs> Right. I didn't figure it out. But listen to this. Paul's a Roman citizen. And he never pulled the Roman citizen card. Why not? He had gotten an unfair trial. He had been whipped. In, in other words, I remind you, especially in a city like that, if you weren't a Roman citizen, they could do whatever they wanted to you. But if you were a Roman citizen, you were obligated to get a proper trial, to get a proper representation, all of the things, in essence, all the things that are still built that we use here. Paul never did it. Find it interesting. So, Paul's in the prison, in the poo. In the dark, or there's no light here. But it says, as they're singing and praying, the prisoners are listening to them. See, this is the part you can miss. Being in the inner prison puts you center stage to every prisoner because they're all surrounding you. It gets crazier. And it says, at that point, God rocks. He does the original jailhouse rock. He doesn't just rock the walls, it says, the foundations were broken. Do you know what happens when the foundations are broken? It can't be repaired. You that will never be a prison again for them there and it says all the prisoners ran to Paul and Silas in the poo well it doesn't say in the poo but you get the idea <laughs> what a fantastic thought now you're a prisoner you're waiting either to get beaten humiliated publicly or to be killed in front of everyone including your family and the walls break down on both sides which direction do you go but every prisoner every prisoner they must have been convinced that the freedom that Paul possessed was a greater freedom than what was on the other side of that wall. And then the jailer, awaking from his sleep, because after all, who's a threat until that happens, calls for a light. What does that tell you? It's dark. And he calls for a light, and he's going to kill himself. Because if you lose one, soul, one of those guys, they don't just kill you, they kill your family, and if they're actually having a bad day, they'll kill everyone in your city. They, again, public example is a big deal for Rome. So, the guy's going to, he's like, he'd rather die than watch him kill his family. And Paul's like, hey, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all here. Come jump in the pool with us. That's not in there, but you can see. <laughs> well, all of that said, the, the jailer pulls, pulls them out, washes their stripes. Think what that would be like takes him to his house. And then ultimately, the whole jailer's family is saved. What's so important about the jailer? He's our first man. He may have been the Macedonian man. I don't know. Doesn't say, oh, that was the guy. His point. Well, then they discovered that Paul's a Roman citizen. Now they're in trouble. What do you think could happen if you did that to a Roman citizen? Remember? They could kill you and your family as a public example. This is what we do with people who do it the wrong way. And Paul displays a phenomenal amount of mercy. And and they're like, well then, why don't you just leave quietly? And Paul could have said, no, let's take this thing to trial right now. But he doesn't. But he does do one thing. What he does is, is, I would like to be escorted back to Lydia's house. Imagine the church that's praying there as new believers. And they watched you get beat up, whipped, and thrown in prison, and you kind of know this isn't going to end well. Now Paul shows up and he goes, "Check it out! I got a parade! That's the mayor! Hey, buddy, how's it going, Brutus? <laughs> you know." And imagine how that would encourage you, right? And then Paul leaves. Now Paul will visit a couple times after that, but it is important to know that was the fundamental planning of the church—a group of people who saw Paul get arrested and freaked out, and Paul showed up. Oh, we're cool, man. We're cool. Y'all with me on that? It is important to recognize. So let me just say a couple quick things and we'll read through it because, it, it, again, it's only four chapters. So I'm, it, I'm granted a greater preface on this. It was planted by Paul and Silas and Timothy, but it was birthed by women. By a man, ultimately looking for a Macedonian man. But it was nurtured in travail. Remember, Paul was arrested for displaying God's power God rocked the foundations but he never called his citizenship there and I wonder if Paul could you know Paul's like "Could I pull that out and God's like no don't would you argue with God at that moment you're getting thrown in the poo after getting whipped and you're like okay I know you'll forgive me for this but as a result of that a whole prison gets saved but it was exercised in citizenship because when they found out that Paul was a citizen they escorted him out Paul exercises tremendous mercy on the the arresting party but he only uses the citizenship well they discover that and that's important to know now later on Paul will be about to get whipped later on but not in our story here and he'll be like is it right to whip a Roman citizen and the guy's like oh oh, what you know and maybe he's like well maybe I should have done that before but what's amazing (laughs) is this is where we're at now now What's our context for this? Now, it was roughly 51 AD when Paul planted this church. It is now roughly 61 AD and Paul's in prison. He's been arrested and he's been brought to Rome. Remember the whole thing he makes it to Jerusalem? They almost beat him to death. And then Paul ultimately went to Caesarea for two years as a political prisoner and then makes his way over to Rome. He's in Roman house arrest. Basically, that means he's grounded, no Nintendo. He can't really, you know, no Netflix, nothing. He has to sit in his room and draw pictures. But well, what he does is he ultimately, sorry, so what he's doing is he's writing epistles. God has, in essence, grounded Paul so we can write the Bible, or well, parts of it. And he writes this letter. Now, here's the weird part. Now, consider this from the Philippians who are now thousands of miles removed. Paul, I mean, they're here. Paul went to Jerusalem. I better do it this way. They're here. Paul went to Jerusalem. And he got arrested, and then they shipped him to Rome over here. But Paul's been, in essence, in prison for a couple years. What what do the Philippians think of that? They're just waiting for the best moment to kill him publicly. Because you don't stay in prison that long unless they think you're a very instrumental person. And so they just have to find the best event for it. Like, for instance, why don't we kill the insurrectionist leader, Barabbas, At the Passover, the celebration of freedom. Do you see how they held him and waited and gone, well, this is the perfect place. Because if there's any place where people are going to rise up against Rome, it will be Passover. Because after all, isn't that where Egypt was taken down and we all left Egypt? Well, now it's Rome's turn. Yeah, it's Rome's turn. Well, let me tell you what we do with people like that. We kill them. But they don't even wind up killing Barabbas, if you remember. They let him free. And you can imagine going, What? How does this work? And the whole reason I say that is it's, it's an instrumental and it's a strategic thing to pick that guy, hold him until the right moment, and then kill him. But it's also important to know that in 61 AD, does anyone know who is actually the Caesar at that time? Yes. It's Nero. Yeah. Now, what part of you think, Paul's probably just going to be released. It's probably going to be released. You know, because after all, it's Nero. What a sweetheart he is. Right? <laughs> I mean, the guy who set Rome on fire blamed it on the Jews because he wanted to build a city of gold. But you can't do that when you have a slum. So he just set them all on fire. You know, I mean, the, obviously he was not the kind of guy you would like as a neighbor. He was not the kind of guy you would like anywhere near you. And he's certainly not the guy you want as an emperor. There is nothing in the circumstances that leads you to believe that Paul's ever going to make it out of this thing alive. Fair enough. Now hear me. We'll go to prayer. We'll go into, into the book now. There are three primary points as a result of it. One is Paul is going to say per capita more than anywhere else in Scripture the words joy and rejoice because he knows. So I remind you, and pardon me for saying it this way, but I'm going to go traditional and general on this because it's a general thing that it's a very feminine church. It's not all women, but it is a feminine and a predominantly feminine church, and it's the most sensitive letter Paul writes. Remember, he is offended and hurt in Second Corinthians. He is perturbed and angry in Galatians. But to Philippians, he's just tender. He is tender. Because it is the one place that you can tell he knows people are really freaked out about him. And they're freaked out because they're really concerned. Does that make sense? But there are also a couple of things going on. There were preachers with false motives. Hear me on this. Chapter 1, verse 15, we'll see that. But then there are also false preachers. Very different things. Hear me on this again. Preachers with false motives and false preachers. A preacher with a false motive is still preaching the gospel. We might say that's a televangelist in some, case, in some cases. But they're actually saying the truth for the part of the gospel, but then they're milking people for money. And it'll be interesting to see Paul's view of that. But on the other side, there are also false preachers as well. And he'll address those. For instance, in the group that he goes right after, chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, the circumcision. Remember that group? That's the Galatians. They went to Galatia, tried to get everyone to become Jewish. Now, what happens when a group like that shows up in a church? The church divides. So we have a division issue again, and the issue of unity must be a part of it. But also, there were a group of people in 3, 18 and 19 that are actually the opposite. Instead of being sort of legalists, these people were total libertarians. In other words, they were like, you can do whatever you want, What's interesting is he didn't call the circumcision this, though he has a real problem with it, obviously. But he told that the people that were like, you could do whatever you want at any given time and not worry about it, he calls them enemies of the cross. But understand why. The cross is about sacrifice. And how could you be like, just, it's all about you, and you just tell God what you need and what you want? They're like, they're enemies of the cross. And that's what he says. And ultimately, he'll talk about two people. We'll see Timothy and Epaphroditus. And lastly, on that. He'll talk about support because this and there's a difference between Philippi and the others, and that is that Philippi is actually where you know where Paul's been collecting money for Judea. Philippi has actually been supporting Paul's ministry, and he actually addresses that. Fair enough. All right. So, as we read this, I want you to look at your papers and those specific areas of joy and rejoicing. If you could see, when you get to one of those places, try to market. When you see an issue challenging about unity, and we'll see at least three or four of those, challenge you to market. In regards to the areas of persecution and suffering, it's important to note that the Philippian church was suffering as well. And ultimately, in the idea of leaving your old glories behind or being citizens of heaven. But the one place where it says our citizenship is in heaven is in this book. Wouldn't that make sense? All right. You guys ready? For our four chapter awesome book, now that I've covered half of it, with it, you know, prep. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons.
1: Grace to you and peace from God our brother, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ.
3: I thank my God upon every remembrance
4: of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all the For your fellowship in the Gospel, from your first day, be now.
3: Being confident of this very thing, that he who has a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus.
5: Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defence and confirmation of the Gospel. You are all partakers of me of grace.
0: See the tenderness? I have you in my heart. For God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ.
1: In this I pray that your love may abound more, still more and more in knowledge and all discernment.
3: That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ
4: being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are in Jesus Christ. The glory and praise of God. As I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel.
3: So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ.
5: And most of the brethren and the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much
0: more bold to speak the word without fear. And don't miss this, what Paul says is, I want you to know, me getting arrested was a good thing, mm. because two things were the were the product of that. What were the two things, according to this? Question. What's that? Question. Excellent. And who was actually hearing the gospel as a result of that? Palace guard. He's like, how do you get the gospel to the palace guard? Get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What was the other one? the
4: Lord.
0: Excellent. And it emboldened believers. Because what they said is, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Isn't it true you see some guy really standing up under persecution and being bold about preaching the gospel? How it encourages you to do the same? Alright, remember that difference between false preachers and preachers who were preaching but with bad intent kind of thing? Well, look at what he says next. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Oh, and some also from Goodwill.
1: Mm-hmm. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add fiction
3: to my chains, but the latter, out of love, knowing that I, for the, that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel.
4: What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, I, and for the rejoice.
0: So this is what we have. Paul's rejoicing about his arrest because of its product. And Paul's rejoicing over these preachers who are preaching the gospel but with the wrong motives. And he goes, he's not saying that what they're doing is right outside of that. He's not saying, oh yeah, isn't it awesome they're doing it with selfish motives? He goes, see the thing is, what Paul knows is if the gospel's preached, people are going to get saved. And Paul's, Paul's mindset is that's the biggest thing here. He's like, well, what about that guy? He's milking people for money, or what about that guy? He's actually thinking that if he could get more followers, maybe Paul will be bummed by it. You know, the other people that are gonna be like that. They're gonna be like, Oh, we're just gonna do this because what we want is a bigger church than you. And I'm like, dude, preach the gospel and watch lots of people get saved and have as big a church as you want, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. You know. Well see, because in Paul's opinion, in the end of it all, people are like, Well, you know, but they're they're like hucksters and that's gonna keep people away truth be told most people that are going to be kept away would have been kept away anyways they're just looking for a reason it's just someone giving them a good one but he just knows what he knows is if the gospel is being preached people are going to get saved I've watched some of these guys who have especially because I'm old enough now I know it amazes you where I've watched I remember back when there was a time when it was like all of these like high profile celadansios were falling and like it was like a season of about three years like big 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 names And a lot of these people would wind up in our church looking for counseling because the whole point was they're like, but I found Jesus through this Mm guy. I'm like, well, how did you find Jesus? Well, he shared that, 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 that. I'm like, well, what he shared was the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the gospel is still the power of salvation. If it came out of a donkey, it's still the power of salvation. Mm -hmm. The, The gospel is the gospel. And Paul's like, it isn't like he's going oh, That's cool that they're selfish, but he's going. I'm just thankful the gospel is being preached. <laughs> mm. I'm like, I- isn't it sad that more guys that have that mindset will be known for it than people who actually like were genuine? Mm. All right, well we'll move on. But it's. Yeah. Well, I know that it's will time enough for my
4: deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit, Jesus Christ.
3: According to my earnest expectation and hope, then in nothing I shall be ashamed. And with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death.
0: For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, then all this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell.
1: For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better.
3: Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you
1: being confident of
4: this I know that I shall remain and continue to give you for your progress and joy you have a joyful for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ I am coming to you
0: again yeah, stop is Paul totally confident in this conversation does it seem like from the beginning of it all to the end that he's totally confident that he's going to live through this experience he seems like he kind of gets to that conclusion in the end but it sounds like it's his choice does it seem kind of strange and he's like, you know, which one I can't choose. Now, I kind of get the idea here that it isn't like he thinks it's his choice, but he's like, if you had the choice, what would you choose? But listen to the rest of it. It says in verse 20, I know that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Sounds like either one's still on the table, right? Verse 22, if I live out in the flesh, this is the benefit. If I die, is the benefit, and that's a hard, it's a hard choice to make. Does that make sense? Now, this is the reason I say that. That in verse 19, he says, "I know that this will turn out for my deliverance." When you read that, what's your natural? Where do you naturally go? What kind of deliverance do you think Paul's talking about? What's that? No, please be free to say it. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you think that's the natural place you would go? Like, you know, I just know, and notice what he's saying, by your prayer and the supply of the Spirit, so as long as you guys are praying, and as long as I have the Holy Spirit, you know, I'm actually going to get out of jail. Because that's where we would go when we hear this. But look at the rest of this for a moment. Because what's clear is he's going, yeah, but I'm not really sure if I'm going to live or die. Well, he's not really sure if he's going to live or die yet. That doesn't sound like that's the point. Is there a different deliverance than that altogether? Well, notice what he said next. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supplication or the supply of the Spirit and Christ Jesus according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Wait a minute. What would he be ashamed of? But with all boldness as always also Christ will be magnified in my body. He's like, you know what deliverance this is? A deliverance that whether I live or die, I'm going to be bold about Jesus. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Paul was more concerned, oh, to be this. Oh, to be this, you guys. Paul was more concerned about properly repping Jesus, whether he lived or died, than whether he lived or died. He's like, you know, imagine being in prison and going, guys, I need you to pray. What I need you to pray is this. That I will glorify Jesus, regardless. I mean, you can pray for my release. That's cool, and all. Please don't pray that as much as you pray this. Could you imagine having that mindset? Because when I read this, if we're going to be fair to the text, that's what he's saying. He's going in the word deliverance. Soteria is the word for salvation. Is the word for wholeness, and it's the word for rescue. And I look at this, and I realize, Paul's like, I'm in jail here, That's no, there's no doubt. But hey, cheer up, ladies. Cheer up, church. And it's not all just ladies. Remember, because it was the bishops and deacons and all that, but that's guys. And he's looking, he's going, but hey, this prison thing, it's actually not so bad. Because Roman guards are hearing about Jesus. Wait till you see where he takes it at the end of this book. And it's encouraging other brothers to be bold. And I just want you to know, please keep praying, because I... I need to be more like this now because it's emboldening brothers, and there are more Roman soldiers out there that need to hear about Jesus. And I know I am confident that more you guys are praying, and that the Holy Spirit is empowering me. I'm going to get through this thing. I'm going to, whether I live or die, I'm going to look back with no shame. With no shame, and you know what? I didn't back down. Oh, anyways, that just gets me. All right, verse twenty-seven.
3: Only let your conduct be worthy of the Gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, and I hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the Gospel.
5: And not in any way terrified by adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God.
0: Okay. Quick question, and I'd like to ask these of you, he says, Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What is the one thing he focuses on from that point on now about what their conduct would be that would be worthy of the gospel of Christ? Unified. Yes. Excellent. Oh yeah. It's like say so you guys stand together. Because even you know, if you lived lives lives worthy of the gospel, it wouldn't be you guys are out there actually handing out pamphlets at every train station. The first thing is is that you guys are unified. Yeah. So those now listen to this for you it has been granted granted by the way is an actual benefit or privilege is the term for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake congratulations to your benefit
1: having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here and now here is in me
0: are they being persecuted? yeah the Philippians are persecuted for the faith Therefore,
3: therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy,
4: so my joy, by being like-minded, being same life, being of one accord, of one mind.
0: Do you see again the a call for unity?
4: Let nothing be done with your selfish ambition, selfish ambition and conceit, and lowliest of mind that each esteem others better than himself.
3: Let each of you look out not, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others.
5: Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Two key things,
0: and then we'll go through this next part quickly. I want you guys to be unified. It'll it'll so stoke me, Paul speaking. Do so you know you should do that? Notice it's all mindset. Did you notice that? Not out of selfish ambition or conceit esteeming others greater than yourself, looking not only after your own interests, but the interests of others. Do you feel that in your mind being the same as Christ? In other words, he goes, so you know how we're unifying? Humility. That's how we're unifying. Yeah. But what I find fascinating is, in every one of the commands, starting from verse 3 through verse 5, it all starts with the same word.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Let. Let. Let, 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 What does let mean? Allow. Allow, okay. Something hmm.
3: that
4: one
0: yeah, you know that's the point. Something mm-hmm. wants to happen, and you're granted permission. Whoa, what what wants to happen? That thing you, there's the spirit inside of you makes you want to do things not out of selfish ambition or conceit. The spirit inside of you makes you want to esteem others better than yourself. Inside you is this desire to look not only after your own interests but the interests of others. Allow it inside you is this desire to have the mind of Christ Allow it. not that crazy thing? it isn't like muster it up and fight and make this happen God's already doing this inside of you just let him do it Remember, that's what I'll tell us in a moment when I'll say to work it all out but it's God who does it so this is what the mind of Christ is verse 6 who being in the very form of God did not consider it robbery to be called equal with God
1: Sorry, but or to be
0: so- equal with God
1: but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man.
3: And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross.
4: Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every man. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the
0: Oh, you missed a verse, though. I'm sorry. Get to it. I don't want to miss that.
4: I want to tell you that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth.
3: And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
0: Jesus humbled himself in obedience to the very death on the cross, and the Father lifted him up. True humility. You throw yourself down, God lifts you up.
5: Therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling.
0: Note that's not the end of the sentence. For, which means because, it is God who works in you both to will to do and to do for his good pleasure.
3: Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as light in the world.
4: Holding for us the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not <coughs> in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering and a sacrifice in service of your faith, I'm glad and
0: rejoice with you all.
3: For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me.
0: Now you need to know a drink offering can't, is never by itself. It isn't like someone goes, you yeah, know, drink offering. let's just, I'll just crack open this bottle of Chardonnay, you know. The idea was, is that it, it's always it's like a burnt offering is laid and the thing is on fire and as the, the total sacrifice is laid out and on fire, you take this alcohol and you throw it on the fire. Well, what does the fire do? It
2: bigger.
0: It gets bigger. And he goes, this is the point. He goes, you guys are already on fire. But my surrender right now in all of this what I want to do is I just want to heat the fire up in you guys but he can't do that if his life is totally without challenge because to be honest it's in this situation I'm being poured out like a drink offering and notice he says not only is he just being a drink offering but it says to the sacrifice and service of your faith are on the sacrifice and service of your faith okay verse 19 now we'll see the two guys mentioned
5: but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I
0: also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state,
1: but will seek their own, of the things which are of Christ Jesus.
3: But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel.
4: Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall visit him shortly.
3: Yet I considered it necessary to send to you, Aphrodite, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs.
0: Did you get what he he was clearly sent from them? Clearly blessed them with support, by the way. Philippi said, hey, send this to Paul. Aphrodite was the one bringing that support. since he was longing for you all, and was distressed, because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost under death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow.
3: Therefore
1: I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may, bless, I may be blessed also.
3: Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in his team,
4: because of for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for, 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 for to
0: me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you to see. Did you notice by the way, finally, halfway through the book, I was a real pastor. <laughs>
3: yeah. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. What
0: do you think he means when he says the mutilation?
3: Circumcision.
0: Yeah, and by the way, do you know the nastiest thing you'd call them is dogs? Dogs were synonymous with Gentiles, and they were the proudest Jews they were. You notice he says, beware of the dogs.
5: For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit rejoice in Christ
0: Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks you may have confidence in the flesh, oh, I more so. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Circumcised the eighth eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee.
3: Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless.
1: But
4: what things were gained to me, these I have counted lust. Christ. Yet in me I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord,
0: for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish I me being Christ. Okay, I have to say this, because it tense for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm, I'm
2: like, uh,
0: easy, you know, in, in tonight. When Paul says, I've found all things lost, and then he uses the word rubbish in verse 8, here's a a Greek word for you, scoogla, like Scooby-Doo. If you can remember Scooby-Doo, it'll help you. Because scoogla means poop. (laughs) Poop, did it poop?
2: (laughs) Poop is poop?
0: Poop? (laughs) Paul said, and so it's like, so Scooby Doo has a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Scooby Doo? That's what it is. So, now you remember it. You know, and the whole idea of it, he's like, look at, I look back at all of my academic accomplishments. Poop. Poop, diddy, poop. But it isn't that he looks back because it's compared to something else. Verse 9.
3: And ye find in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith.
5: That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings
0: being conformed to his death. If by any means may attain to the resurrection of the dead.
1: Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold. Of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me.
3: Brethren, I do not count myself to be to have apprehended for one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind you reach and reaching forward to those things
2: which are
0: alive. Okay, don't miss this. It's fifty i I'm sorry, sixty one AD. <coughs> Paul had gotten saved in thirty four AD. Do the math. What's that? Twenty seven years. Yeah. Twenty seven years this guy's been a Christian. Lois, how older? Twenty-three. He's been a Christian longer than you've been alive. He's been a Christian as long as Dan's been alive. Older than Jaden. Almost Bruno. <laughs> I'm not even going to go to the um. I don't know. I'm, not miss- I'm not missing. I'm not missing. Here's the point point. 27 years she's been a Christian. And Paul says, Not that I've gotten there yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't gotten to where I want to be yet. 27 years. I might die. I am probably will. If I don't, I'm hoping to see you again. But I haven't gotten where I want to be in Christ in my own behavior, my own not that I fully attained it, but I will tell you what I do. I leave behind the stuff that's behind me. Mm. And I press forward for the ever calling God in Christ Jesus. But here's the point of it. If I'm too busy live, dwelling on all those failures and all those things that I'm learning, by the way, that you'll read about in the book of Acts and try to emulate that I'm like I'm trying to leave behind. Well he goes He goes in the end of it all I'm still pressing forward, man, because I'm not done yet. Mm. Because you know what? Therefore verse fifteen
5: Therefore, let us, as many of us are mature, have this mind, and if in
0: anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Apparently you can be mature and have not perfectly attained it yet, because Paul says, like us, those are mature. But I think being mature more than likely is being well aware of the fact you haven't gotten there yet. Mm. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Have you guys gotten that point yet? Mm but join enjoying and following
1: my example, and note those who so walk, so you have us, for, so you have us for a pattern.
3: For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ.
4: Whose end is destruction, whose god is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things, for office to worship through heaven which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ.
3: He will transform our lowly body, that it may con be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself.
5: Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast
0: in the Lord beloved. I implore you, dear, and I implore Sister. To be of the same mind in the Lord.
1: And I urge you also, true companions, help these women, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, and also and the rest of my fellow workers who named in the book of life.
0: Did you see that Paul had women helpers? Just as did a couple of them weren't getting along, and he calls them by name. <laughs> He's like, just want you to know, girls, I'm aware of this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. forever in scripture you two girls we're not getting along we're going to get to heaven and they're like hi I'm Yudia I'm like oh <laughs> you're going to work things out with some type some picky or however you say your name <laughs> oh,
3: dear rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice
4: may your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication, and thanksgiving that your are requesting me known
3: to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus.
5: Finally, brethren, whether things are true, whether things are noble, whether things are just, whether things are pure, whether things are lovely, whether things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate
0: on these things. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. May God a be with you. Now notice by the way, Paul never just tells you don't. He says don't instead of doing that, do this. Don't be anxious. You know the problem is, he's going, you know stressing is a sin. Now you're stressing about stressing. That doesn't help. <laughs> because you know what? And notice he gives you a second finally. It's like, this time I am bringing it to a close. Yeah, yeah anyways, he will
2: soon.
0: He'll have to say amen twice. He'll be like, amen. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, amen. Uh, but he's like, the problem is where your mind is. You know why you're so freaked out? Because you're thinking about the wrong thing. Meditate, by the way, does not mean the opposite. It's the opposite of what the world means. The world means empty your head. Oddly enough, that's brainwashing. The thing they say is it's happening to us. You know, and they're like, you just kind of focus on the sky and let all of it fall to your head this is the word that's used of a cow chewing its cud the idea of this is if you know anything cows are not equipped to actually just eat the things they eat but they have more than one stomach so it goes into the first stomach and it keeps coming back into their mouth yummy and they chew it some more get it, bring it back up again chew it some more until it's dissolved enough to go and make its way down to the second stomach does that make sense? And he goes that's what you should be doing with the word so you just go okay got it you bring it back up and you chew on it some more and then you're like hmm hmm you bring it back up. See, now it's a gross metaphor, right? But you're like, no, 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 actually... Okay, until the point where it dissolves in your spirit, mm-hmm. like it should. Where it's not just like, you kind of know the verse. It's like, no, I... I get it now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you watch, there are certain p- teachers that are intellectual. They've never meditated on the Word, but they've contemplated it. And they can put things together, and they're just bright enough to really put together a very lovely package. You can tell the difference of a person who's actually meditated on the word. Because it goes through them and not just from them. Can anyway. right. mm-hmm. you? Yeah.
1: But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now I lost your care for me has now has got again. Though you surely did care but you lacked of opportunity.
3: Not that I speak in regard to me, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content.
4: I know how to be abased, and I know how to be abound Everywhere I mean, everything there, and in all things I have to both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer I can do all things
5: through Christ you shared me.
3: Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress.
5: Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the Gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving,
0: but you only. You get what he's talking about, right? From verse 10. He's like, oh, thank you again. You guys are doing this again. That's kind of your history. You guys have been sponsoring me. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities.
1: Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account.
3: Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the same sent from you. A sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. And my God
4: shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, for our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Oh, and then, mm-hmm. on it, there's more. <laughs>
3: <laughs> greet every saint in Christ Jesus, and the brethren who are with me greet you.
0: All
5: the saints greet you, but
0: especially those who are Caesar's household. Did you get that? Remember what he said? Remember he was like, oh, it's good that I've been arrested because I get to preach the gospel to the palace guard? No, notice what he says. All the saints, greet you. Now if they're saints, what does that mean? They're saved. They're saved. But especially those of Caesar's uncle. alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yep, so not only are preaching the gospel to those Roman guys, they're
2: your brothers now. <laughs>
0: grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen that an encouraging letter But I think it's one of the reasons we'd like it Paul's in prison So go, cheer up you guys are getting hammered for your faith cheer up it's cool there's no suffering without purpose now and it's going to you can see Paul going you know the same thing's going to happen with you when you're getting hammered other people are going to get saved from it and other people are going to be encouraged by it I want you to know that. And he goes, oh, you know what? You are stressed. And I know you're anxious. I know you're anxious about me because then I'm looking at him. In prison, this is rough. But let's set our minds to better things.